Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, you're very welcome along to the Group Tab podcast. I'm news correspondent Zara King, joined in studio by political correspondent Gavin Riley. Hi, Zara, how are you? Good. And Richard's gotten a bit of a haircut this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, Richard's looking very trim. <laughs> so I get a few lights, you know, I put yeah. the sun in and then some lemon, it's all natural. <laughs> It's Ireland AM's Hunzo Moran O'Connell. <laughs> Official title. We should explain that Richard is on holidays on yeah. a well-earned break. I think it's his first time out of the country for leisure since the great happening of it's, 2020. Oh, it actually is. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, a break well-earned, uh, which is why uh, Moran has sat in uh, to try and talk us through a particularly big story, which we're going to get to in a couple of yeah. minutes. Uh, if you want me, I can tell you about being in the close friends group on Instagram and exactly what he's up to on holidays. It's great. I fun. mean, <laughs> Maureen has been in many group chats oh. with us over the years <laughs> and is is a long-standing friend of the group chat. So she was kind of a natural fit when she we was on holidays. She was. Well, especially for the story, but you know, but we'll get general, to it. We love you in general. Um, we want to just start by thanking everyone who came to uh, our live podcast at EP because yeah. uh, we thought no one would come. Yeah, because it, so. it, like, it was 12 o'clock, as we said last week it was going to be noon on a Saturday and we knew that the weather was going to be kind of poxy but we didn't realise just how poxy it was going to be so it was basically terrible don't yeah. don't give it to the weather people came to you're like oh you know people no, need to get it no, they came to see no, you my, but the point is that people actually came to see us in spite of the weather because it yeah. was raining at the time that we were starting and they would have been entitled to just stay in their tents if they wanted to but they all came to uh, the I Hear Now tent and uh, we had we were just blown away by how many people showed up it was yeah brilliant. and they were like in such good form and everyone was kind of up for the crack and stuff and we ended up really like having a great time I was we were quite nervous actually I think we were quite nervous we didn't really know what to expect well having never done this in front of before, other yeah. people before so we didn't know whether they'd would they just be very polite like golf attendees they'd kind of sit back and just go yes I agree with that very quietly <laughs> or would they laugh and participate in shows of hands and everything but they just the audience were brilliant and we were just blown away by how many they people came. They want to see In the Wild and also the thoughts of Zara <laughs> King at a festival. It was I sim- mean I mean I st- my mind still can't the smoke get around it. The smoky eye was still immaculate <laughs> in spite of the weather. Well the rain now <laughs> the rain was outrageous so we went to see Becky Hill imagine Gav at Becky Hill yeah I actually can't Gab imagine Gav Becky, Becky Hill. Hill. Gab I, Becky I've Hill. been there and I can't. <laughs> Gav at Becky Hill. Actually, Richard as well. Both of you, like me and Kira, were having the time of our lives. And mm. I put a video on Instagram. Richard and Gav are just going to stand there like, going, okay. Like, what do I do here? Yeah, what do I But you should have known the songs from Love Island, did you? Uh, I knew a few of the songs that she had performed yeah. in the villa as the apparent Love Island devotee of the group. Yeah. Uh, so I knew some of them. I'll be honest, actually, I didn't realise that a lot of them were songs by a singer if that makes sense I thought a lot of them were just like tracks by a DJ that you'd sort of hear I didn't realise that there was actually he just kept saying a single like, artist like, but, but this one sounds the same as the last one <laughs> well, like, well, you no, just thought true. it was yeah, the, the DJ best, press yeah. autotune and then one of those programs where it's like put words together it's and pretend yeah <laughs> 
Yeah. Can I? She's she is Becky, She was excellent. She is unreal. Yeah. Like Becky Hill's voice is phenomenal, and she's like dancing around the place, and she's still pitch perfect. I'm like, this woman's amazing. So, anyway, thank you very much, everyone who came to Electric Picnic. We really appreciate it, and uh, we didn't expect you to come. We're totally thrilled mm-hmm. you did. <laughs> so, having only figured out or gone to grips with Becky Hill's back catalogue uh, at the weekend, <laughs> there, there was me thinking that I'd caught up with all things pop culture, and then along comes. Harry Styles and Flo someone and oh, baby, Chris baby. someone um, so and basically, this is right, where Murren comes in we had to establish an emergency group chat yesterday with Murren because Gav and I were like we don't actually know what's going on <laughs> I feel like I've seen if you haven't seen the Harry Styles video by now I really feel like you either don't use social media or you're living under a rock because mm. Murren this is huge this week the, this is all centred on a movie that's called Don't Worry Darling that premiered at the Venice Film Festival that movie is with the credits two hours and two minutes long I have now watched Spitgate for about four hours <laughs> so no matter what way you look at it I have watched someone allegedly spit on someone else for longer than I will ever watch okay, this movie Okay do you movie. think that he's bad on him or not? Absolutely no, no, not. Rewind explain okay. the circumstances yeah, yeah, of this okay. because even, even Spitgate <laughs> is a level of detail beyond my ken Okay yeah. so This is involving some of the most popular figures in the world. This movie right now, it's called Don't Worry Darling. It's a second movie from Olivia Wilde. So Olivia Wilde, for a lot of people who are listening, that was the blonde girl you fancied in the OC. Okay. Right. She was one of the doctors in house at one stage. All that kind of stuff. Who was she in the OC? She uh, shifted Melissa, Marissa. She was the pub. Alex, there we go. She was the pub owner. Well done you. She was the pub owner who came in and shifted Marissa and was like, oh my God, lesbians, it's the early noise. Two Bell X1 in 2004. Their major breakthrough. This is all all coming back to me. There you go. Got it. And uh, her first director, her directorial debut was Booksmart, which is brilliant. It is a fantastic movie with Catelyn Deaver and uh, Beanie Feldstein. So funny. Advise everyone to watch it. So when she was going to direct another movie, there was, when I tell you there was a bidding war for this movie, it was insane. Everyone wanted it. It was going to huge. The drama started almost immediately because she'd cast Shia LaBeouf as the lead actor in this movie. We all know Shia has had his issues. Mm-hmm. So he's cast in April. By August, he's gone. That's it. And it's all kind of thought that she got rid of him with certain issues. He now has a court case coming up next year with his ex-girlfriend, FKA Twigs. So then he's not in it at all He's now. gone. He's gone. This he man was erased from the entire thing. We thought he was a race for the entire thing. Oh, oh my God. Harry Styles get cast in his role. Florence Pugh, who is the woman of the moment since Midsummer, everyone has been following her. She's in the Marvel Universe. She She's is stunning. an Beautiful. actress. She just filmed a movie in Wicklow called Wonder based on an Emma Donoghue book. She is the next big thing. She's it. And she's cast. And then Chris Pine is cast in this role as kind of a Jordan Peterson's type role in this community that's like a Stepford Wives community. Gemma Chan is in this, Nick Kroll. So just really art house people. Everyone's mad for this movie. Are okay. you with me? Okay, we're with you. Yeah, uh, we're I, here. I'm sensing that there's a bit of a contrast between the art house credentials of everyone who's been named thus far and then landing in your man from One Direction who has no major acting roles to his name. Listen, he was in Dunkirk. And but people said he was good in Dunkirk. I didn't see it, but people said he was good. He was. Okay. He was good in Dunkirk. So Harry, should, Harry Styles gets parachuted into the role vacated by Shia LaBeouf. Yes. Okay. So this is all that's happening. So this is in, you know, we're, we're talking about the land of COVID and all this kind of stuff. So, so does that mean they have to reshoot everything? So everyone's got to go back and do their work twice? Um, or had they started shooting by the time he got dropped? No, they hadn't started shooting because okay. an issue was about rehearsals around Shia. didn't think that they had enough okay. time to rehearse. Now, 
things start getting interesting just a few weeks ago because we know that this movie is about to be released and Olivia Wilde keeps on going on about the sex scenes in this movie because it's all about female empowerment. You know, men do not orgasm in this movie. This is what she keeps on saying. Florence is not happy about this. She's like, why are we still talking about the sex scenes if people are going to be coming just to see that? Like, there's more to this movie. Mm. Why does she feel like that's like a a pressure on her performance almost? Well, yeah, that there was more than this. Or that like, it's a very, it's a very like sort of titillating way of setting the film. If it's supposed to be this legitimate art house film, you don't need to talk up the sex scenes to get people to come and see it. That's sort of like, because if you're talking about something which was always already going to annoy people, which is the fact that one of the characters, Chris Pine, is a Jordan Peterson type figure who has men in his scope and the women are there to serve the men and a woman has disappeared from the Stepford Wives community. Okay. So this is what the movie is about. Right. And it's set, you know, in this perfect world. Um, and then it all emerges that Florence isn't going to do any sort of press for it because she hasn't been putting up anything on social media. Nothing. She okay. put up the trailer. That was it. She's right. not doing any that, press for this. Okay. You think it's almost Except part... for Venice. She agreed to do one thing. Okay. Because she's filming Dune 2. At the time, at the same time. Now, most people would always have to do, they'd have to leave for a few days. Yeah. Dune is. You've kind of always got multiple projects on the go. So you have to go and promote one while you're you're filming. And you're expected to like put your weight behind it if you want to be in it. And Dune is a Warner Brothers release, and so is Don't Worry, Darling. So obviously they would release her. Then, um, uh, Olivia Wilde. How much you know about it? Olivia Wilde starts doing all this press saying, you know, Shia had to go because I had to stand up for my actress, and this is it. And that's when everything goes mad. to comment herself. She doesn't say a word about it, but Shia goes to Variety and said, this isn't true. I left. She didn't kick me off this movie. And everyone's like, okay. And then he releases this video and it is a video of Olivia Wilde driving while taking a video. No one seems to be talking about that, by the way, lads. She's moving her mobile. She's using so, her mobile so phone in the car. Okay. Yeah, because she had said that um, Legal. she didn't think that she could create a trusting environment for women when Shia was there. So she had okay. to get rid of him. He was a negative energy. Right. And he just went... So they've got different stories about how Shia came to not be in the movie anymore. Yeah. But Shia posts this video. He sends this video to Roy. I feel like I'm not ready to give up on this. This is Olivia. Uh, I too am heartbroken. I want to figure this out. You know, I think this might be a bit of a wake-up call for Miss Flo. And I want to know if you're open to giving this a shot with me, with us. If she really commits. Who's Miss Flo, guys? Florence Pugh. It's Florence Pugh. So, so sorry, Olivia is sending this to vid- sh- text or video to Shia LaBeouf, Shia LaBeouf trying to get him to stay on the movie when she said that she fired him. So she's driving a car filming herself saying this. She is driving a car, by the way. Driving a car when she's filming a video. N- not ideal. Not good. Not good. Um, so where then where does was does Spitgate and spitting come into all of this then? So, then, so can I ask you, what's Chris Pine's kind of like? Why Where is he in all of okay, this? Okay, so like? this happens and now this starts this kind of a war of attrition between the two of them being like, you lied, you're lying. Who's get, Who's getting all this kind of stuff? This is terrible. So obviously this is bad. This is bad. She's on the back foot already doing press about this. They go to Venice. This is where they're having the world premiere for this movie that everyone has talked Mm. about and it looks like not one person wants to be there. They all hate each other. Florence arrives Is this the the, the viral video that I saw of um, there's a video of Chris Pine and he's just kind of staring into the middle distance while someone else is talking around him about the whole process of acting and he literally could not be more comatose looking off but that's because in that video isn't Harry Styles saying oh the reason I really like this movie is because it really feels like a movie movie. (laughs) 
Yeah, you know, you have to go. You have to go to a theatre. You have to go to a theatre for this oh, that's movie. What it, was, it, it feels it like. I think Chris Pine just looked like he was dying. A movie, and he's like, oh my okay. god. I think Chris has been on holidays on a yacht for the last two years, and he's like, what's why well, he is looks everyone imploded? Yeah. You know, he's um, been having a great old so time. So then, then where the Chris? Thing? What's the beef between Chris and Harry though? Now, this is what's happened. So we're there. It's like, will Florence show up? What's going to happen? They're I'm already fine. doing press for the for the movie. And she doesn't show up for the major press conference. And Olivia doesn't want to stoke this fire. They go to the premiere. Florence arrived later than everybody else looking phenomenal, by the way. Her stylist put up a picture saying Miss Flo in reference to what Olivia had oh, done to her. Okay. So, then, so then they go to the premiere and Florence will not look at Olivia or Harry. Right. At all. Okay. Hugs everyone else. Fine with Gemma. Fine with Nick. Fine yeah. with Chris. Will not hug anyone. They go inside to sit down. And next thing, Harry is sitting beside Chris Pine. And it appears that something falls from his lip. And he spits on Chris Pine. And Chris Pine looks, kind of rolls his eyes and looks at him. Is he exasperated? Is he happy? Is this an in-joke? What's happening? This is Spitgate. So so the, a, a fluid, a particle of fluid definitely goes from one well, to the I other. Well, no. I've done a slowdown on it, like yeah. everybody. <laughs> I have done a slowdown. I've done it. Never let it be in. said you're not rigorous as a journalist. I, I, you know, I wanted to see, I don't see Anthony leaving his mouth. So yeah. you obviously on this group and people who are listening to this knows what Bellingcat is. Yes. So Bellingcat is obviously one of the biggest open source intelligence and investigative groups, mm. right? Their lead researcher, Eric Toller, has gotten involved in this oh as God. to whether spit has left Harry Styles' mouth. That's, I've watched this from every angle. I have watched this so many. As I said, I've watched this, this, this is where the four hours kicks in. Yeah. <laughs> and he says it seems, um, he said that it seems unlikely that Styles spit at Pine based on the position of his lips. So where his lips were, mm. spit could not have dropped on Chris Pine, what did drop from his mouth? Gum. Could it have been gum? Could it have been? I feel a, like you would have seen. Could gum it have though. been a tic tac? Half a tic tac? <laughs> Make of that what you will. It might have been because then at one stage, so this is Spitgate, and Harry sits down. And he won't look at him. And then later on, we've got this. A few minutes later, we've got this other thing of Chris putting on his sunglasses and Harry kind of looking at him and going, come here, come here. They're having a laugh with each other. They're yeah. obviously joking. Okay. He didn't spit on him. He never goes to wipe himself. If someone spits on you. Do you but go also, to wipe yourself? Do you go to I, wipe yourself? I, I would think I would were someone ever to speak. Do you, on like you get, you put rooting, your hand I'm on your I'm rooting for a tissue. I'm not touching the space. Well, like. But you're rooting for something. Like, do you know when you're, you know, you're out and you see someone and like for the joke for years, but the Daniel O'Donnell concert, you know, spit me Daniel. Yeah, yeah. Spit me you Daniel. Spit me Dickie Rock thing. Spit at me Dickie. Spit me Dickie. Yeah. Spit at me Dickie. That's what I was thinking it was yesterday that yeah. every time Chris Pine saw Harry Styles he was secretly such a fan that he was like spitting me Harry and Harry has this Pavlovian response now every time he <laughs> okay. sees Chris Pine that he has to spit in him that's my theory wow. what was said black Twitter about this is amazing because they're saying that this is to white Twitter Solange, Jay-Z and Beyonce <laughs> in the elevator. The wow. Yeah, they're like, that's what oh. this is to white Twitter. And if you, like there are people now comparing the amount of so tweets funny. on Twitter and they're like, oh yeah, that's what's wow. going on here. Wow. Uh, I feel way better brief now. I do feel uh, like uh, I understand what's going on now. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that Harry Styles would actually spit on someone? I think. I don't know. Well, no, unless it was with their consent. Let's be honest. Okay, consensually, no, it, yes, it, it, he would even, absolutely. No, even someone. with their consent, I probably don't think he would because I think that guy just has too much of a public rep. He knows like how volatile public yeah, perception but can is be. Actually, he probably would. Okay, someone right. that. Okay, well, do you fancy Harry Styles? I'm, I'm all over Chris Pine at the minute because he Chris just, Pine he just looks really like he's hot. stoned yeah. and hot all the time. I well d- done. He's just he is quite handsome. Uh, I, mean, I, I don't know if I get the Harry Styles thing so much. Would you watch it? 
Oh, I'm definitely going to watch it now. Like, uh, I'm, I'm invested now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mission accomplished. But like, me, like, I think it's, I think it is a publicity thing. Uh, Werner Connell, thank you for for bringing us up to speed. Not only can people see you in Ireland, AM, they can find you in the latest Russell Carl Kelly book as well. Oh, uh, oh you, this is yes, so exciting! Because you, you have a you have a running running cameo in Once Upon a Time in Donnybrook. Uh, you're mentioned. No, five, I knew I was in it once. Yes, well, you're you're in it multiple times because there is. And I need to to pull up my Kindle version here. Um, there is a running gag. This isn't a spoiler for for Paul Howard fans or anyone else who's watching. There's a running gag where Mirren has her eye on a particularly attractive uh, lamp in a window in an antique shop, but she doesn't want to pay the full whack for it. Feels and it's on it really on brand. This for, seems on the nose. Really this seems way too on the there nose. There is a Lincoln green lamp with a peacock print shade that Mirren O'Connell has her eye on. <laughs> you would actually buy that lamp. Well, you, you would, would but, but probably not for the 500 snots that they're asking for, which is why you're looking for a discount. <laughs> 500 snots we're not kind of expensive taste it looks like it looks like something your granny would have and they've just hiked up the price like that's exactly yeah. I I would fall for that hook that's your line aesthetic. and sinker as Ross himself and Richard to work is also for. in the book as well uh, Richard is in the book uh, Richard has a scene where he witnesses a castration uh, which is just a sentence I never thought I'd find myself saying uh, and I'm talking to a minister who's questioning the burning down of Leinster House which is unusual oh is that uh, a spoiler? Is that a spoiler? Uh, no, it's not. No. Okay. Um, so quite the list of virgin cameos uh, in Once Upon a Time in Donnybrook. Um, I've made it. That's it. I need to just retire now. The group chat and Russell <laughs> okay. Carl Kelly in one day. We better let you go home then before we... we you have to go that for even more. tomorrow, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, Thank good. you for having me. So Britain has a new Prime Minister, Gav, Liz Truss. Who is Liz Truss? Oh, um, I, I thought you were going to tell me it was Harry Styles. There, oh, yeah, I know. Well, obviously. Top story. I will listen if it was public vote, I presume. Uh, the thing about Liz Truss is that she is a bit of a chameleon. Yeah. Uh, Liz Truss started out in politics as a member of the Liberal Democrats. Mm-hmm. Now, she's obviously a Conservative. She started out in the whole Brexit process as a Remainer. Mm-hmm. Now, she is an arch, almost like it's a biblical thing. It's like catechism now that she's so pro-Brexit. Um, she started out as an anti-monarchist, but she got appointed this week by the Queen, 15th Prime Minister of Queen Elizabeth's tenure, which is pretty remarkable. And made that speech in college about being anti-monarchy. Yeah. And, and While like she was in, Liberal Democrat. At, like at the Liberal Democrat National Conference yeah. to talk about the, like, the need to abolish the monarchy. And yet by the time she left college, had already joined the Conservatives, yeah. which which is maybe, uh, you know, just an illustration of maybe ideological uh, flexibility. Um, she is now the, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Um, and the general consensus is that never has anyone gotten into the job with such a crisis in tray uh, in front of them. Because usually, of course, when people become Prime Minister and there's a change in the office, it comes after a general election. So generally stuff slows down in Britain that you wouldn't have other stuff happening while there's a general election. But of course, this isn't after a general election. This is just the Tories deciding they want to get rid of one leader and appoint another, which means that she has inherited all of the thick morass of stuff that Boris Johnson had to deal with, the cost of living crisis, some of the other social issues that are there, um, Britain's exposure to the war in Ukraine, uh, the energy perceptibility, a growing mortgages crisis. There is a huge amount of stuff in her entry And the big challenge for her is that she has promised to do pretty much everything about everything. So, for example, in her um, in her acceptance speech the other day when she was uh, taking the conservative leadership, um, she basically sort of rattled through all these things she was going to do. She was like, I'm going to address our national health service. I'm going to bring forward a plan to deal with energy bills. I am going to address X, Y and Z and just dealt with them all in a sentence and didn't really flesh out what it was that she was going to do. So she wouldn't really famous now for her communication skills, let's be honest. Or she is famous for her communication skills possibly, but not for the right reasons. I mean, yeah. Some of her sort of 
gaffes in terms of speeches have been have been well aired well, now. So, well, the, the funny thing is, were, were they gaffes or not? Some of the clips that people may have seen. And it's when worth, she was environment secretary that time. Yeah, it, it's worth going yeah. to, to look up um, some of them. There was one where she was speaking at a conservative conference and she was especially exercised about how much cheese uh, Britain imports. And she was said that, you know, the United Kingdom imports two thirds of its cheese. And she took a pause it for drama. the longest pause. And, and nobody then went, gave her and, and then she book. said, that is a disgrace. And properly eyeballed the camera and like made it out like it was some sort of affront to nationality. And I think in the same speech, she was talking about how she was going off to try and expand uh, Britain's agriculture links to the rest of the world. And she said that she was going off to China to open pork markets. And she holds this really enthusiastic smile at the camera for seconds upon seconds upon seconds before anyone applauds that people didn't realize it was supposed to be a beat where you you applaud these things. So communication is is something that she's known for, albeit not necessarily. And the good even bits. when you mentioned there that acceptance speech that she made, she did quite a glowing tribute to Boris Johnson, who is obviously a very good friend of mm. hers and um I thought it was interesting that like she sort of did such a gushy tribute to Boris Johnson and then did that pause. There was a pause before the applause kind of kicked yeah. in from conservative like, we, party do, members. Do we want to to, to Do we really him? want this yeah. like as a, as our kind of outgoing, you know, kind of I suppose reputation with people that they? I think there was definitely people in that mm. room who were kind of like, listen, let's yeah. leave the past in the past and not sort of dwell on it. Let's play a little bit of that for our listeners, actually, and for our viewers. This is the, the bit where Liz Truss mentions the the record of her predecessor. Boris, you got Brexit done. You crushed. Jeremy Corbyn. You rolled out the vaccine and you stood up to Vladimir Putin. You were admired from Kiev to Carlisle. And the thing about her predecessor as well, we'll talk again about some of the stuff that's in her intro and, and what it means for us uh, in a minute. But um, Boris Johnson, in his departure, he obviously gave a speech on the doorstep of, of um, Downing Street before he had to go off to the Queen and hand in his notice. Um, and he tried to be very uh, human and very, um, you know, reserved and very, you know, the, I'm the bigger man today. I clearly didn't want to be giving up this job, but... These, this is as they are and now I'm going to go off and do something else and thank you for everyone and he described himself like a, a booster rocket that's now falling down to the Pacific that no one will ever see again he used a really weird um, reference to a Roman dictator which was kind of fascinating this is by the way this is Gav doing Gav things <laughs> um, there is a Roman dictator called Cincinnatus who he mentioned and the thing about Cincinnatus is that he led Rome to great military victory and then when the work was done he resigned and he went back to ploughing a field because that's what his job was that he had no desire to be around for any longer than it took to get the work done and Boris says that's me now you know I've got the work done I'm going to go off to, to plough my Brexit field now done. got Brexit done yeah. and that's the last you're going to see of me the thing about Cincinnatus is he did go back a second time oh. <laughs> Cincinnatus uh, was, was called back the people basically insisted that he come back again a second time because they needed him to serve the, the Empire of Rome again and so Cincinnatus did come back a second time so there's already this kind of sceptical feeling that Boris Johnson is already kind of laying the groundwork for some kind of great return people might remember the last time he addressed the House of Commons he said Look, hasta la vista literally means see you again soon Wow. Um, so you know there's a whole kind of theory that maybe Boris isn't isn't as done as we all might have thought he was the Brexit might be done but Boris isn't there you go it's, well it has shades of, he's been on many occasions compared to Donald Trump it has shades of that sort of yeah 
you know, so, yeah. brewing comeback, more comebacks than... Stranger things than if we're knocking around in January 2025 yeah. and Donald Trump and Boris Johnson are running their respective countries against stranger things have happened. But if you're looking at Liz Truss, right, if you're somebody who's sort of like keeping, you know, a sort of a flippant eye on the news, maybe you don't, you're not following it totally in mm. detail. I mean, you would be forgiven for sort of thinking, you know... Like, I suppose, based maybe on that communication sort of faux pas that, like, she doesn't come across as being perhaps the most, um, I suppose, the most kind of prepared maybe when she speaks publicly. I mean, people have sort of said she's quite a good communicator on social media. I think some people post yeah. like her Instagram and mm. stuff that she's quite good at sharing there. Um, you mentioned there that she's got one of the busiest in trades. I suppose we would always say that when we have a new leader <laughs> yes. coming well, in. Well, true, and could yeah. Probably argue what what national head of government doesn't have a busy in trade? Completely, yeah. yeah. But one of the main things, I suppose, is like trying to sort of bring people with you, isn't it? And do you think Liz Truss kind of has that leadership quality yeah, that people that, that need kind in of terms of bringing charisma people, with people kind of, for. yeah because people have said that while she's quite good maybe when it comes to making decisions and policy that like actually communicating those decisions and having that kind of human yeah. touch which is such a critical part of being a leader of a country that's, does she actually have that that's I think possibly the great unknown it's a really good question I, I think that the answer is that people will be really waiting to see does she have that charisma because when you say that she might seem a little bit distant or unprepared a lot of people would say it's not that she doesn't know the answer it's that she doesn't want to say anything for fear that it would isolate or uh, marginalise some people. Don't forget, she's just come through an election campaign. Mm. So she has to try and be all things to all people, albeit only within her own party. Now that she's there, she doesn't have to stay on the fence about everything. She has the opportunity and actually a duty to start saying, no, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're not going to do. So when she has to start making those decisions and can she bring people along with her, that's probably the really big question. The relevance for all of this, by the way, to our, our viewers and listeners will be, yeah. you know, what, what does it literally mean for us? What's and of course, there's there's a bit of the United Kingdom that is adjoining our jurisdiction and she's now the head of government there. And um, this brings us back to the whole thing of the post-Brexit trading relationships and the, the Northern Ireland Protocol. The protocol for people who need reminding is the set of rules basically by which Northern Ireland will be treated slightly differently from the rest of the UK so that there's no need for a hard border on this on island. island, island. Um, and Liz Truss, despite the UK having signed up to that, much like every other senior member of the Conservative says, not happy with this deal, want to go back and renegotiate it. Basically, effectively going back to the drawing board. And the people that she has appointed to the Northern Ireland office um, are among the leadest Brexiteers that there are. So the guy who's now the Northern Secretary is a guy called Chris Heaton-Harris, who used to be the chair of what's called the ERG. It's like now, the, sorry to interrupt you, right? But is it true that a lot of people were offered that job and didn't want it? That seems to be the talk around. Seemingly so. Yeah. That basically she had to go through a pretty long phone book before she could get is anyone to take the job. Perhaps people feel like it is such a minefield to navigate, especially with this protocol issue, that nobody wanted to take on the burden of that, that it was almost a poison chalice, as they call it. Uh, yeah, P yeah, pretty, pretty much, pretty much yeah. um, that nobody would want, nobody in the right mind who, who has aspirations for a political promotion would say, this is the place where I'm going to sort of make my career because there is no winning in the job right now because mm -hmm. the British government and the unionists are on one page and the nationalists in the north, the Irish government and the, the middle ground parties like the Alliance are all on the other page and near the twain shall meet. Um, so the guy who's the Northern Secretary used to be the chair of the ERG, another junior minister, Steve Baker, um, followed him as being the chair of the ERG. Two more Eurosceptic ministers you probably couldn't find. And they're both in the Northern Ireland office. So they're unlikely to be flexible when it comes to uh, Northern Ireland stuff and trying to find ways to change the protocol in ways that maintain the protocol. So we'll have to see exactly how all of that burns out. The one thing about it at least 
is that with the end of an election, you now have an opportunity to appoint people to the job, start talking and see if there is some common ground because there just hasn't been any talks for, for months now. And particularly at, towards the end of the Boris Johnson era, we know the likes of Labour Radcliffe have spoken about the fact that the relationship between Ireland and the UK mm. was in a pretty bad place. Yeah. To be honest, uh, and good. Uh, don't forget, we've, we're not long out of Stormont elections mm. either. So as soon as you call those Stormont elections, then basically you're in election season, nothing gets done. Stormont obviously hasn't gotten together yet. And then pretty much as soon as the dust had settled on Stormont, Boris Johnson was gone. So there hasn't been a chance to talk really for about six months or more. So hopefully now that people are actually in situ, it might give them a chance to actually sit down and see if there's some deals to be done. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, of course, here at home, the news has unfortunately been much harder to watch for a lot of people, particularly given the um, really, really traumatic number of young people whose deaths we've been discussing in the news for the last couple of days. Zara, you spent a lot of the last few days in Tala, where there's a community obviously coming to terms with the death of three young siblings. Yeah, Gav, I suppose, look, first of all, just to commend the people of Tala in terms of uh, the response, in terms of rallying around this family. And we express our condolences to the family of Christy, Chelsea and Lisa who, you know, are going through an incredibly difficult time. Um, I guess in terms of our coverage of this story, what was really important for us was to try and tell the story of the lives that they lived and, you know, the contributions that they made to their communities and to their friends over that short time and that short life. And so it was very generous of people who knew them to be so forthcoming and give us an insight into who Christy, Chelsea and Lisa were. And, you know, in particular, it was um, on Sunday chatting to some of the neighbours about particularly the twins, you know, they're eight years old and mm. like a lot of kids up and down the country, they would play out on the road over the summertime and the neighbours would see them every day and, you know, bright, enthusiastic, inquisitive um, little children and, you know, one little boy, which I thought was lovely, sort of was really keen to tell me they'd always let me play with their toys. You know, what a lovely thing to say about young people, it? yeah, yeah, like such, and like that's the the ultimate compliment to come <laughs> from a child. Yeah. You know what I mean? That that you know their generosity was something that that he will always remember. Uh, another man saying that his little granddaughter would come and stay sometimes, and the twins would call over and say, "Can she come out to play? We'll mind her, we'll mind her." Aww. And you know they were eager to kind of include her with whatever you know games or whatever were happening on the road. And I just thought how lovely that people were you know so generous to let us know and tell us a little bit about them. Um, likewise with Lisa, you know, popping up to her school, she was part of the class of 2021 and um, her school, St. Aidan's, Saint Aidan's um, 
uh, secondary school in Tala telling us about how she was so brilliant during, you know, everyone trying to study from home during lockdown and, you know, sending out kind of iPads and things out to, to the house to try and keep everyone sort of on track with the learning that she was really threw herself into that and that they were just so proud of her and um, that, you know, she graduated with the class of 2021 and was such a, a gorgeous part of their school community and how they just really, really loved her. So, um, you know, I really feel like it was so generous of the community to really give us a chance to kind of learn a little bit about them and kind of get to know them. Mm. Christy and Chelsea had just made their communion last year. They were in St. Bridget's Junior National School. So it's one of these uh, primary schools where it sort of splits halfway sure, through. Yeah. yeah, so they were just after finishing up in the junior part of the school and they had only started last week in the senior part. Um, so it was nice to meet kind of their two principals. They're sort of mm. one that had known them for quite some time and one that had just met them and had had a chance to get to know them over the last week. So we can take a listen to some of the tributes they paid to them this week. So um, Christy and Chelsea were in our school for four years and they were beautiful little children, very popular with their friends both and both very enthusiastic about school and very keen to engage in any school activities that were going on. Um, Christy was very much into his Gaelic football and actually his teacher last year was telling me only yesterday that he, he had, was really keen to know that he'd be able to pick up football once he came over to St. Aidan's. Um, and Chelsea was also quite sporty. She was very much into gymnastics and actually she had two silver medals on her sports day for running. So she was quite the little athlete as well. And the neighbours were saying to us yesterday that they were so chatty and they would, you know, call around to the friends and invite them out to play. And I know one little boy, which I thought was lovely, said they always shared their toys with me, like that they were very generous. They were really generous, really kind. You know, um, Chelsea's teacher said in particular, she was such a good little friend and really sort of caring little girl to her friends and um, both super polite children to everyone that they met. Just lovely. Um, and so highly regarded by everybody here at the school. She worked very hard in difficult circumstances through COVID to achieve her leaving cert. She did really well. Um, and we couldn't have been more proud of her at the time. Thank you so much to all the teachers who spoke to us during the week um, about Christy, Chelsea and Lisa. And also just to say, you know, in terms of the support within the community, everyone is coming together in Brookfield, Gavin. Like the community centre has been open and people are coming in for cups of tea and chats and, and supporting one another. But crucially, there's counselling being offered to people there as well, because um, that community collectively has been through an awful lot of trauma over mm. the last week. So it, it's been really difficult. And um, just for those, I suppose, listening um, and, and watching us both on television as well, the funeral will take place on Friday. So um, the, the children's funeral, I suppose Lisa, an adult at 18, but uh, the funeral mass will take place at St. Aidan's Church in Brookfield. Um, on Friday. Um, I'm sure it'll be a very um, difficult, I hope, I hope it is a, feels like a celebration of everything that they achieved in their lives because certainly the, the impression that you've just given us in the last few minutes yeah. that, that people are celebrating what they meant to their lives they uh, which, which I hope they do. Time, yeah. um, and just on that note, before we move on as well, just to say what a celebration it seemed that the funeral of Jack the Bromhead uh, on Wednesday yeah. was. Our, our colleague Paul Quinn was reporting on that for our bulletins and I was just blown away by the joy that you felt coming across yeah. in that because obviously it's such a terrible thing to to be losing somebody at that age, particularly in the awful tragic circumstances that Jack de Brom had passed away last weekend. And yet the family had it in them to decide that this was going to be a celebration of all the things that Jack loved and of all the, the things that he brought to other people, which was just um, remarkable. So um, 
Our thoughts on Smith then too. You know, his parents, I thought the eulogy that Henry de Bromhead gave and, and Heather de Bromhead was so beautiful. It was a fitting tribute mm. to their son and both of them wearing bright colours. Actually, Jack, just on that note, was actually at the yard the day of the royal visit. Um, I oh, saw him yes. there that day actually in March. I actually, I, I went back through my phone and I spotted him in some of the footage that we had from that day. Um, and he was chuffed walking around with his dad really proudly showing uh, Camilla the Duchess of Cornwall around the yard and, and introducing her to the horses and so you could really tell that he had a total mm. passion for it um, God rest their young souls and I hope everyone is able to, to get through the week um, there'll be a lot of community support needed I suspect uh, on another front because um, there's been some pretty stark warnings in the last mm. couple of days about the prospect of the light's quite literally going out um, this week. So we'll talk a bit about the energy conservation stuff, but the, the very fact that the government this week announced they were going to be doing some tabletop exercises to basically war game what happens if there's a disruption to energy, electricity or gas. Like that's that's a pretty clear cut sign that we're, we're looking down the barrel of some sort of brownouts, at least if not outright blackouts. Yeah, so if you're working in a public office, you're going to be... Perhaps bringing a hot well, water bottle you, to your desk. <laughs> you're you're going to be wearing your sleeves at the very least anyway. Yeah. So public buildings are now going to be maintained at 19 degrees Celsius. And uh, in some some parts of the building won't be heated at all. Their idea is that if it's working from home and you only have a, a small number of people that are actually in the building, they're just going to consolidate you all in one part of the building or on one floor so that they're not heating the individual ones. What's fascinating about that is that other countries like Germany, for example, have pursued measures like that and turning off the lights on public buildings, no illumination, for for supply reasons, that they literally don't think they have enough electricity to make it through. And yet the Taoiseach in the last couple of days has been insisting that actually it's nothing to do with supply. It's actually just more about saving money. Member states across Europe are implementing... Um far tougher uh, re- regimes in respect of energy reduction. Uh, we're simply, I mean, it's, it's sensible for government buildings and it's sensible uh, advice that given the high cost of energy, irrespective of what supports come out there, the cost is very high, that it makes sense if we can sensibly reduce it. So Gav, it's interesting there that he's drawing a distinction between supply and cost there. Mm. Uh, which which is what makes it so fascinating that the government has actually conceded that there is now need to sort of model what's going to happen mm. if there is a supply thing, that, that he's trying to portray this as, you know, it's just sensible. Let's not just spend money heating buildings that there are very few people in, which is all quite, uh, quite sensible. Although it does make you wonder if at some point in the future all of this is behind us. Will we still have a culture where people only... Uh, heat up one floor of a building and that they only go to work in that one and that you don't mm. have different units spread around the place. It'll be fascinating to see how that kind of, you know, bears out in long term. And also this conversation around sort of appealing to people like everyone has to make a decision to reduce their energy use. So like asking yourself, really checking yourself and asking yourself, where could you cut back? You know, yeah. and particularly between the sort of peak 5 to 7 p.m. Yeah, space. and and that's fascinating too because the Taoiseach says that nobody is going to be told what to do. So it was put mm. to him at a press conference this week. Uh, you know, what if that's the time of the day where kids are coming home if you're, you're being told not to use the oven or you're told not to use the appliances yeah. that's when the kids are coming home and they need to be you know fed and cleaned um, and he said well we're not going to prescribe what to do this is just to put the idea in people's minds how can you be uh, more sensitive about your use of energy so he says it's all just basically advice and yet you have Ursula von der Leyen in the EU saying well actually no we're going to have to try and find some way of making it mandatory to sort of live within certain caps between the hours of five and seven mm. so Ireland is, is going very much carrot Europe is going very much stick I have to try and figure out how the two of them work together.
So look, we're obviously looking ahead to the budget at all times now. These are the real kind of crunch <laughs> last couple of yeah. weeks. Um, just rumours of a renter's tax credit. I think group chat listeners will be keen to know yeah, about that. Yeah, a really important one. And one thing to note, or one thing that which is attractive about a renter's tax credit of sorts or some sort of refund is that it already kind of exists in law because there used to be one. So it was phased out over the austerity years because it was considered to be a way that you could save money. But there's already the bureaucracy in place that you could just click your fingers back overnight. So how it might work is that when you're, if you're filling out an annual tax return, you can say, I paid this amount in rent and get a certain amount of that back through a tax refund. It wouldn't necessarily be a massive windfall, but it would be one way in which the government can literally put money back in renters' pockets. And that's a particular pressure because last year in the budget, there was nothing at all for renters. So if there is a relatively simple way in which renters can actually get some money put back, then it would be something of, a, of an easy win for them. So it would have to be more probably along the lines of you'd have to be aware of it and check the box because you know yeah. yourself there are certain things. Yeah. You know, you'll hear those ads on the radio. Have you claimed back all your tax credits or have you ticked those boxes? You have to kind of be savvy enough to have your revenue mm-hmm. online account, yeah. go in, tick the Wh- box. Which is the danger because it's one yeah. of those things we have to pay it up front and then get a bit of it back later. Right. It's not going to be cash in hand, so it won't yeah. fulfill what everyone needs. But if it is something that makes rent slightly more affordable, then there won't be too many people turning it down. Are you a Garth Brooks fan? Fan would be a stretch. Uh, are you a closeted uh, fan or are you quite outward about it? No, no, I, I think I listened to Fresh Horses quite a lot when I was what nine horses? or ten. No, Fresh Horses was Fresh with his albums. Oh, okay. Uh, when I was nine or ten, it was doing the rounds. Uh, my parents are far bigger fans. Are they going? Uh, they are going. Oh. Uh, I am not. I, I, I will inevitably have that FOMO where like <laughs> you're si- sitting in on Saturday night and basically the entirety of Twitter yeah. is people at Garth Brooks and you know he by all accounts he puts on a great show so it'll probably be, be that huge, thing isn't it? it's uh, huge yeah so I'm not jealous yet but then watch it when we're like there'll be an inevitable jealousy that will will happen yeah the FOMO was real well the FOMO was real when Paul Quinn went on that big fancy trip to the States mm-hmm. because so I think do people know about this yet are we the first to reveal it or maybe is it out there <laughs> I don't, we don't know. I don't know. We okay. don't know. But listen, let or this, this may be the great reveal then. This might be the great reveal. Or if you've heard about it already, then it's not. <laughs> uh, Paul Quinn, um, Dave Tiernan and Rona McIntyre, who work uh, on our documentary team here in Virgin Media, have travelled to the States to meet some of, I would say, Garth Brooks's nearest and closest friends, people who've worked with him over the years, uh, songwriters. Um, they've been to the stadium tour bef- to have a look at it before it came to Ireland. So, mm-hmm. like, when Paul was there, I, I th- they did the trip a couple of months ago now to film this, but, like, when Paul was there, he put up a, a video of Garth Brooks singing Calling Baton Rouge. Yeah, in, in Baton, Baton Rouge. Rouge. In, in, a, in, like, a fo- in a college football stadium with, oh, like, 110,000 people there or something. Uh, incredible. Uh, and Paul has made a documentary about all of that yes. then too. so Paul, Dave and Ronan have made this documentary um, like I say they've been talking to people like some of the people they met along the way they just met by happenstance like just by being in the right place at the right time <laughs> kind of like hanging around Nashville and stuff <laughs> which I feel like is just so brilliant and the result of this is this incredible documentary which I'm dying like I'm literally dying to see and no one will show us the full thing because everyone's <laughs> going to wait because it's out on Tuesday night uh, 9 o'clock on Virgin Media 1 um, but I can't, I can't wait to see it We've got, we do have a clip though they've given okay. us 90 seconds I asked Dave for more and he was like you're getting 90 seconds and nothing else <laughs> okay that's all so uh, he tells me this cliff is a songwriter Pat Alger who is uh, the one who wrote Thunder Rolls okay. and Unanswered Prayers like amazing uh, he's talking about uh, meeting Garth for the first time and their songwriting collaboration I thought he was a kid and I thought he looked like John Wayne and uh, he dressed like John Wayne you know and he was very polite, very nice. And uh, the night, the day I met him, actually, uh, uh, he was playing somewhere downtown. 
I wasn't really crazy about the area he was playing in, and I just bought a new Mercedes, and I really didn't want to drive down there, to be honest. But I did. And uh, it, was an, it was a really funky place. Nobody knew who he was, and uh, uh, he had that audience in the palm of his hand, and he played a song called If Tomorrow Never Comes. And when he played that song, I went, oh my God, he really can write. And I went up there right after the thing and said, yeah, let's, let's, let's get together. I had a little office that was in the basement. It had bars on the window, and it re really resembled one of the prison uh, cells that uh, classic literature writes about. It had rock walls and <laughs> bars on the window. So for some reason, when Alan Reynolds introduced us, he said, yeah, why don't you guys write some songs, and you can use my office. I went, I've already gotten a step up in the company here. You know, I'm, I'm not going to have to go down to to the dungeon to work. So the only person I ever wrote any songs with in Alan Reynolds' office was Garth Brooks. It was a really good place to write. That looks incredible. Mm. I'm, I'm so excited for that. Garth Brooks Coming Home, it's on Tuesday Night 9, version on 1. Media one. So like set your recorder for that or watch, mm. it, watch it at the time. We I mean, were, we were is, working together yeah. in a previous newsroom. In our radio world. When when the last Garth Brooks five gigs <laughs> happened slash didn't happen. Yeah, that was. Uh, it it but, was the story of the summer that year. It really was. What year was it? Uh, that was 2014. 2014. I specifically remember it was the 1st of July 2014 that they announced that he wasn't getting the license for all five. And I specifically remember it because I was in Berlin where Enda Kenny was meeting Angela Merkel and I was there <laughs> covering the Taoiseach's meeting where it was supposed to be a big meeting about the bank debt deal. Yeah. And I remember just seeing myself falling further and further down the running order of the bulletins back at Garth home Brooks because Garth Brooks was leading. story yeah. at that time. Yeah. yeah. My mum actually met Garth Brooks. Really? Did I ever tell you that? No. no. My mum met Garth Brooks in the 90s. Uh, he, uh, he was doing a tour, I feel like Buffalo. Buffalo in New York. Okay. Yeah, is that right? I don't know. Uh, he was. He did a tour there and my mom's friend like won tickets to this concert on 2FM back in the early 90s. And so my mom and her friend ended up going on this trip with Ian Dempsey. Wow. Out to the States to this Garth Brooks concert. And we, she's got like loads of photos at home and they, yeah, she met him out there and stuff. And uh, so gassed. My mom so and Ian other Dempsey. people have pictures of JFK or the Pope in your house as a picture of both. your mom of Garth And yet Brooks. my mom won't go to the concert. She's like, I'm beyond concerts now. She won't even walk. She's going to get the FOMO <laughs> like the rest of us. Um, so listen, if you're going to the concert, enjoy, enjoy. Uh, Richard's going. Of he'll course be he back is. in time yeah. to go to that's Garth why, That's why he's not here. He's just too mortified to admit <laughs> it. Uh, he'll give us the full no, debrief. He's a, like he's a loud and proud Garth fan. Everyone who loves Garth, is, I feel like, is Rob O'Hanrahan is going on a night. Rob O'Hanrahan, there's, there's a fair chance that if anyone is watching or listening to this, you will meet Rob at any of the gigs. There's a fair chance a Rob would go to all five if I he could. I think Rob O'Hanrahan is going to a couple of them. If you see Rob, get a selfie with him and say hello for us uh, uh, we better it. go yeah we better yeah. go we're way over time uh, thank you very much for listening this week thank you to uh, Gar our own Garth Gareth O'Connor who's uh, wrapping us up here uh, Killian and Maxine and all the team on the group chat we will be back again next week with Richard we'll see you then see you then 